Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello, I'm Alex Crook and this is the Game Day podcast from TalkSport at the end of a brilliant heavyweight weekend. No punch-ups on the touchline for Thomas Tuchel, but Chelsea are floored by a lead side who inflicted some heavy blows on the former European champions. West Ham are on the canvas as well after continuing their pointless and goalless start to the campaign, while North London are gearing up for a championship title fight, plus big chins required for Messrs Rogers, Gerrard and Lampard. All that on the podcast that never pulls any punches. This is Game Day from TalkSport. And I'm delighted to say, joining me are Darren Lewis, assistant editor of the Daily Mirror, and Darren Ambrose, who is stepping in for Sam Matterface, who is clearly so flawed by Chelsea's humbling at Ellen Road that he couldn't possibly uh, face up to the music. Uh, how are we, guys? You good? Hi, everybody. How are you? All good, Crookie. All good. And don't forget, as well as downloading the pod, you can now watch us on YouTube. But let's get straight to Shock Sunday. Football is a game of opinions. Opinions are what we do best to talk sport. Our opinions, Simon Jordan's opinions, Gabby Agbonlohors, we're never short of them. Towards the near post, flicked up by Perisic and Harry Kane scores! His 250th for Spurs, still one of their own, still the Tottenham talisman. The best teams find a way to win games in which they don't play at their best. And that's exactly what Tottenham Hotspur have done here. Mitchell plays a one-two with Zaha, gets in behind Cash, early cross, Mateta, magnificent! Crystal Palace 3, Aston Villa 1. Southampton have turned it around, Leicester 1, Southampton 2, and it's a second goal for Shea Adams. And what a finish. Fulham 3, Brentford 2 in the final minute of the 90. Alexandra Mitrovic has headed it into the back of the net. Damari Gray's control was quite brilliant and slotted it into the net. Great goal, Everton 1, Nottingham Forest 1. The first ever Gunners goal for William Saliba and this is an absolute furler. We are top of the league, Sydney Arsenal fans. They are indeed. It's finished here, former Phil, Arsenal 3. Leeds 3, Chelsea 0. The first time that Leeds have beaten Chelsea since a 16-year-old James Milner was amongst the scorers. And uh, it was a chastening afternoon at Ellen Road for Thomas Tuchel's side. I guess, first of all, Darren Lewis, we have to start with the manager and his team selection, his tactical decisions. It just looked a mess, didn't it? Ruben Loftus-Cheek at right wing-back. He couldn't handle the threat of Jack Harrison, who started the season in imperious form. That meant that Rhys James uh, came into the right side uh, of the back three. He was at fault, beaten in the air by Rodrigo. Conor Gallagher felt sorry for him. He's waited his whole career to make his full debut for Chelsea. He's played far too deep. You don't get the best out of him in that position. And that's before we even talk about the ghost uh, Kai Havertz in that false number nine role. So many issues for Chelsea. Well, you can begin with the money because uh, they spent £170 million in the summer transfer window, but they're still nowhere near where they want to be. As you know, I was in pre-season with them in America and twice in their four games, sorry, three games out there, um, Thomas Tuchel talked about his concern that the players weren't applying themselves enough. The second time when they were beaten 4-0 by Arsenal, he said, we've got too many players here who have one eye on the exit door. And I still think that is the case for one or two of these players. And the other thing that came up in pre-season, we asked him about it. Do you need a striker? We know you went in for Robert Lewandowski. You didn't get him. 
do you need a striker? And he was very relaxed at the time and says, no, we got Havertz who can play there. We got Sterling who could play there. He's got this and that. But the, the truth is they need a marksman. They need someone who's going to sniff out goals. They need someone who's going to be on the shoulder of the last defender. And they need someone who's going to pose a threat uh, in the box because today nobody did. And once Sterling missed that early opportunity, it seemed to play on his mind. Um, I think there are problems to come for Chelsea, which is surprising to say because normally they're so good defensively, but today they were all over the place. And I think actually the point that Darren Lewis has made there was highlighted by the changes in the second half because Christian Pulisic came on. Uh, he's wanted by Manchester United and Newcastle. Hakim Ziyech uh, came on. He's wanted by Ajax. Two players who possibly and probably uh, won't be there uh, come the end of the transfer window. That's who Tuchel is turning to uh, to get them out of trouble. I wanted to speak to you, Darren Ambrose, about Kalidou Koulibaly. We touched on this uh, on the boot room on Sunday night. I thought he was dreadful um, in possession, uh, really uh, caught out by that high press uh, from Leeds United. And you look at the two bookings, the first was stupid very early in the game. The second was just a result of him getting himself in a bad position. He got the wrong side of the Leeds player, pulled him down. Uh, two of the easiest bookings that the referee will have to administer all season. And I do wonder, are we seeing now why it took until he was aged 31 for a Premier League team to actually spend money on Koulibaly. Maybe he's just not that good. I don't think so. I think it's a little bit harsh. Um, obviously, it was a poor game. It was poor decisions on, on his part uh, to get the red card. But if you, you remember when he played against Spurs, he was fantastic. Scored a fantastic goal as well. So I, I just think it was one of those games that players have. Of course they have. And it, he was dominated by Leeds. That, that wasn't his fault. They just seemed to want it more. Um, he is kind of a welcome to the Premier League, welcome to a team like Leeds who's just going to put you under all, all, all sorts of pressure as soon as they can. And maybe they targeted that a little bit. Maybe they've watched his previous games and thinks he, he, he does dally on the ball a little bit. Of course he does. So maybe they targeted that and they played it perfectly. And, you know, it was two rash decisions, two poor decisions, definite red card. Wouldn't have changed the outcome of the game. It didn't, in my opinion. I think Leeds were dominating the game and I think they deserved the victory. So no matter what Koulibaly done, it didn't matter what, in terms of the outcome of the result. Just needs to uh, obviously improve on today's performance. Probably the big winners uh, from the game were, were Leicester City because I'd imagine that uh, their asking price for Fafana uh, may just have gone up by an extra couple of million. The tendency, uh, Darren, uh, when we get results like this is to focus on the big team being poor. But we have to give Leeds United credit as well. I thought they were exceptional. Uh, Sterling could have scored early on, actually. It might have been a different afternoon. But after that, Leeds really began to take control. That high press was implemented to perfection. And I wanted to highlight two individuals in particular. Tyler Adams in front of the back four, I thought was terrific. Doesn't look like a player who's only been in the Premier League a matter of weeks. And Rodrigo. And actually, I was commentating um, on the game with Sean Derry, the Crystal Palace coach. And he was saying to me, you can see that Jesse Marsh has really invested in Rodrigo. He's put his arm around him. He was captain for the afternoon. And he looks reborn, uh, Darren Lewis. He looks like he is a much more confident player than he was under Bielsa because he's got the faith of his manager at last. Yeah, I think you've got to look at the context of the whole day, the whole performance, because it is a triumph of man management, as you've been saying, particularly in, in, in terms of... Um, Rodrigo, it is a triumph of man management in terms of the fact that Leeds only secured Premier League survival on the final day of last season. They also lost Calvin Phillips to City, Rafinha to City, uh, to Barcelona rather, over the summer. And lots of people expected morale to fall. But you look at the appetite and the hunger in the performance against Chelsea, not just the goals, but the willingness to work all over the park. And you recognise the fact that Jesse Marsh is doing a superb job. I know he's not everyone's cup of tea. Um, he can rile up other managers. He did so with Bruno Lager uh, the other day. But as far as the job he's doing is concerned, the players want to work for him. The fans buy into what he's trying to do. He had applause from all four sides of the ground uh, this afternoon. And I think you've picked out Rodrigo, but you could pick out any number of players in that Leeds team against Chelsea. Brendan Aronson, crookie. Sorry, mate. Yeah. Brendan Aronson needs a special mention. I think he's been fantastic. And we had a caller on the boot room, crookie. You, you was there. You took the call. And 
uh, the lead supporter said he's he's one of the best players he's seen in a lead shirt for a very, very long time. And look, there's a few pundits that are looking a bit silly now in terms of calling people. Nobody's coming into the Leeds team, losing their best two players. They're in trouble. They're certainly not. And from that showing there, if they continue, not only are they going to be safe, they're going to be competing for at least a top half finish. And long may that continue for them. When you say a few pundits, you mean Jamie O'Hara, um, in particular, uh, on Jesse Marsh, I'm not sure his exuberant celebrations uh, running up and down the touchline, jumping into the air would have gone down particularly well with Thomas Tuchel. Why? 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 Well, why frankly, who cares? I mean, what, why, why, I mean you, you know, you are scoring goals against the team that lifted the European Cup, the Champions League, whatever you want to call it, last year. You're scoring goals as a team that has no real right to compete against a side, a club of Chelsea's size and magnitude. Why should you not be delirious with joy if you're able to do that and run up and down the touchline? I would. I love to see it. I love to see managers, the passion. I loved it when Antonio Conte and Thomas Tuchel went at it last week. I thought it, it, it showed, it's everything you want to see. You want to see passion, desire, and it got a little bit heated, okay. And I think Jesse March has seen that as well. He, he spoke about it in the week, saying Thomas Tuchel shouldn't be on the sideline. And I think once he got that goal and he, he showed, I think it was deliberate. I think it was deliberately to rile them up, get the supporters onside. And it worked. They ended up battering Chelsea. And that's partly down to the, the passion that his team and himself are showing. Mm. Well, if that was an upset, we almost had a seismic shock at St. James's Park. What a game this was. It finished in the end. Uh, Newcastle 3 Manchester City 3, uh, City in front early on. I think we all felt then, well, this is going to be a standard away win for Manchester City. All of a sudden, Newcastle, 3-1 up. Callum Wilson with an excellent goal. Kieran Trippier, uh, brilliant free kick. Almiron smuggling in uh, the equaliser. It would have been one of the upsets of the season, three weeks into the season. Brilliant character, actually, from Manchester City to come fighting back. Harlem with his customary goal. I think we're saying that uh, week in, week out this season. Bernardo Silva, who is still a Manchester City player, despite the advances of Barcelona. Kieran Trippi was sent off, then it was reduced to a yellow card. Let's start with that, actually, uh, Darren Lewis, because I think both Ambrose and I felt that it was correct to overturn that red card. Uh, Steve Harmison, TalkSports North East correspondent, disagreed. What was your take on it? I think it was the right decision to overturn it. Um, I've got to be honest, I'm not a big fan of Jared Gillett. He's come to the Premier League with a big reputation, but he's made a number of dodgy calls this season. Last this Obviously, this season included last season, West Ham-Brighton game uh, as well, when he was a VAR. Um, there have been a number of calls that he has made since he's come into the Premier League that has le have left fans really unhappy. And this would have been another one had it not been the case. I think it was Peter Banks who was at the VAR today and basically advised him to, to, to overturn it. It was the outside of uh, Kieran Trippier's boot that made contact with Kieran Trippier, uh, with Kevin De Bruyne's knee, not his studs. I didn't see that as deliberate. I didn't see any malice in the challenge. I saw it was an attempt perhaps to stop De Bruyne, but I didn't see it as an attempt to injure him. And had it been a straight red card, it would have been for serious foul play, which I didn't think it was. Yep, so we think the VAR uh, got it right on this occasion. What does it tell us, Darren Ambrose, about your old club, Newcastle, and their aspirations for the season? The first time, at uh, the 13th time of asking that Eddie Howe has got even a single point against Manchester City in his managerial career. Well, it, it tells us they're certainly still heading in the right direction. You know, if you look at the, this time last season and beyond last season when they were struggling under Steve Bruce, uh, Eddie Howe's come in and changed the whole club around. The atmosphere today was sensational once again. And it's always going to be home and away support for Newcastle. They've got a team that can compete. They've got a team that they're proud of going and watch. They can support. They're smiling. You look at the supporters, they're smiling watching them. St. Maximan today was um, looked like a man possessed. He was frightening. He was all over the pitch. But he set his standard now. And I think this is how he needs to play. He is a fantastic footballer. But he has to show it week in, week out, not just against the best teams where we, when he wants to turn up. He has to do it when Newcastle need to grind out a point or need to grind out a result. 
that's when the best players turn up. And so Maxman done that today. They were unfortunate not to get the three points, if you ask me. But as you said, the the character that Manchester City showed, as we've seen for years and years, uh, it was again, they showed that character again. I was gutted that Newcastle didn't finish them, finish them off. But, you know, what a sensational game. Already the game of the season. We're only three games in. Yeah, it's been a brilliant start to the season. So- so many stories, not least this weekend. We'll come on to, to West Ham and their defeat at home to Brighton very shortly. Did Manchester City, Darren Lewis, just look a little bit light defensively? They lost Nathan Ake to injury. It looked like a difficult afternoon uh, for Carl Walker. And obviously down the left-hand side, I watched Zinchenko uh, for Arsenal at Bournemouth on Saturday night. He absolutely coasted through that game like a Rolls-Royce. I just wonder, uh, might those lack of defensive options cost them over the course of the season? No, I don't think so. I think Cancelo's a super player. Um, Gundogan was playing in front of him in a three um, down that left-hand side and Foden in, in, in the advanced position. And I thought, I still do think all three are very capable. I just think that Newcastle are a side are going to be a force to be reckoned with this season. I think they had five or six clean sheets in their final uh, seven games towards the end of the season. These were the first goals they've conceded so far this season. Um, And I think the Newcastle attack, well, I know how much you think of Callum Wilson uh, when he's fit and ready to rumble. Uh, Almiron obviously had a point to prove after that jibe from Jack Grealish uh, last season. Who was um, notab- noticeably absent from the squad, by the way, Jack Grealish, yeah, with interesting. Yeah, an injury. Yeah. Is that in inverted commas? Yes, 100%. <laughs> um, and as you've been saying, Alanson Maximan, we know how many fans he has uh, at other clubs around uh, the Premier League. So I don't necessarily think it was about deficiencies in the City uh, left side uh, or in that City team. I think they're all very capable players. I just think that Newcastle are a serious team. West Ham nil, Brighton to another excellent away performance from Brighton. But the Premier League table, very early in the season, I know, doesn't make pleasant reading uh, for West Ham. Uh, no points, no goals scored, uh, rock bottom uh, as we speak on Sunday evening. Of course, Manchester United could get battered by Liverpool on Monday and change all that. But there were fans calling into TalkSport after that game and, and questioning another tepid, another toothless performance and Skamaka, the big money signing from Sassuolo, once again left on the bench. Does David Moyes at some point need to make a big call, either to leave out Antonio altogether and start Skamaka or play the two of them and, and maybe throw a bit more caution to the wind, which isn't usually David Moyes' way? Maybe, maybe. If, if, if it continues, of course, he has to try something. We know this. And in my opinion, I think Skamaka done really well midweek, got his goal. In, in, the, in the Europa Conference, I think he deserved a start. And it's not about, it's not so much about Antonio being dropped. It may be rotated every now and then. But there's been so much pressure on Antonio as the focal point at West Ham for, for the last couple of years now. Now there isn't. Now they've got Skamaka, who looks good when he comes on, looks good when he started in midweek. So potentially they should have changed that today. And I'm sure we'll probably, most probably see a change in, in West Ham's next game because something has to be done. No one would have expected three games in, no points for West Ham. They're, they're, they seem too good of a team for that. Of course, they're going to be OK, but it doesn't make good reading at the moment. I think David Moyes is showing a lot of loyalty to a group of players that finished sixth and then seventh in the Premier League and have done superbly well, helped into the semi-finals of the Europa League last season. But at some point, you have to make changes the team doesn't look fresh enough. It looks a little bit stale. If you look at the other clubs in and around the top six, and that's where West Ham have aspirations, they've changed. They've deepened their squads. They've changed their lineups. West Ham still look very stale. Mikel Antonio scored four goals in 30 games now in the Premier League. I, <laughs> he's done nothing wrong. He's been a fantastic servant for the club. But I think... As we all know, strikers get judged on their goals. They do tremendous work in other areas of the pitch, but ultimately you judge strikers on their goals. And if it's the case that maybe he's better in a two alongside Skamaka, then that needs to be the case. But you can't go up against a team as canny, as tactically aware as Brighton, whose manager Graham Potter has outwitted now a number of higher profile managers and play with the same West Ham lineup that many people have worked out 
out now from last season. Mm-hmm. I think in the next game, we should be seeing a drastic change all over the pitch. Maybe Ariola in gold instead of Fabianski. Um, I think there should be signings, more signings, because if you look at Forest, and sorry to go on a little bit of a rant here, but I think if you look at For- uh, Nottingham Forest, they're so decisive with their decision-making over who to bring in. I felt that West Ham, for example, could easily have done a deal for Emmanuel Dennis, the Watford striker who did so well last season. And I think he would have given them depth in their forward line so that you don't just have Antonio and Skabaka, but you've got Dan Dennis as well if you want to change things up. But at the moment, West Ham are too predictable. And this end-of-season wait for signings to become available or whether it's this or that, it's costing them points. Uh, it was nightmare debut for Tilo Kirere. David Moyes admitted before kickoff and was accused by some of disrespecting uh, his new signing because he didn't know how to say his name. I think he probably does now, uh, Darren Ambrose, but that is a horrible start to his Premier League career. Giving away that penalty, Danny Welbeck, once again, a real handful. Yeah, and that's the thing. Danny Welbeck started the season fantastically well and unfortunately he's come up against Danny Welbeck when when he's playing really, as well as he has. Listen, he'll improve. Of course, he'll improve. And people mispronounce names all the time. Of course, they do. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce it, to be honest. I probably got it wrong. Oh, wait, wait. You both are not going to attempt to pronounce Tilo. (laughs) I think I got the Tilo bit right. (laughs) Tilo's easy. Yeah, of course. How he got Tilo wrong, I don't know. But listen, that happened. There's no disrespect there whatsoever. But he's come up against Danny Welbeck, who's on top, top form. Mm. And. Danny Welbeck still tried to help him out, by the way, by staying on his feet because he felt there was a goal in it for, for himself and he didn't. And, and the penalty was given. That happens. It, it's unfortunate. It's in one of the early, it's in the early stage of his West Ham career that, that it's happened. He'll gain confidence. He'll build on that. He'll improve. He's clearly a fantastic player. That's why they've got him in. Uh, seven points out of nine for Brighton, despite selling two of their key players. Are they the perfect example of how to run a football club in 2022. Yeah, absolutely. The recruitment's terrific. Uh, the manager's tech- tactically aware. There is joined up thinking throughout the club. And if you look at the sum of the parts on paper, they're, they're not too much to write home about, but they're all the right profile for the club. They all understand each other's game. They've all got that willingness to work hard. And that's why they're pulling off terrific results. I think there are bigger things destined for Graham Potter. Some people, when he's been linked with the higher profile clubs, have perhaps turned their noses up at him, but he is continuing to bloody noses all over the Premier League. And I think that there could well be a big, big job in the offing for him in the next 12 to 18 months. Listen, I I agree. You know, I've got my uh, affiliation with Crystal Palace and I have a lot of banter with the Brighton fans, of course, as, as you do. But I agree, playing some fantastic football, seems to run that club himself, which perhaps he wouldn't do as much if he went to a top club. The recruitment is right at Brighton as well. The only trouble they had before was the goals. The goals, they they had the expected goals, but they wasn't putting it in the back of the net. Now they seem to be, they're picking up points. I covered uh, Brighton Newcastle and Matoma came on and I felt he was fantastic. It was already looked like a a kind of replacement for Kukurea up the left-hand side. I thought he was brilliant. Obviously, he's still on the bench today. But, um, yeah, we had um, Steve Sidwell on the boot room uh, about 18 months ago who said Steve, um, Graham Potter could be the next England manager. And I have no doubt a, a job of that nature is heading his way relatively soon. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like, what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, no finer place to watch Premier League football than here. A setting fit for champions. Neto going for goal with a left footed shot. It's coming instead for Ponens and he screwed it wide. It was. A decent half chance for Daniel Podence. Square to Ruben Neves, 15 metres outside the penalty area. Little flick header just wide from Mateus Nunes. Hoshic with the cross on the left-hand side for Spurs. Kane making something of it, looping header. And forces a save from Jose Sarr. Kulisevsky on the right-hand side. Chance to attack the edge of the penalty area. Comes in, left footy cross. Harry Kane hits a crossbar. And as far as Son Young-Min miscued on the rebound. Closest we've had to a goal. Early ball played in. Wars have been caught out. Son Young-Min is in. And a brilliant piece of defending by Nathan Collins saved the day for Wolves. Kulisevsky's back on the ball for Spurs. Edge of the penalty area again, driven in. Now Son with a chance to turn and shoot. But Saar protects his near post. Towards the near post, flicked up by Perisic and Harry Kane scores. Tottenham Hotspur take the lead. It's a landmark goal. Another landmark goal for Harry Kane. His 250th for Spurs. Tottenham found some inspiration in their dressing room at half-time. I wonder who provided that. They were a better team in the second half and just about deserved overall to win here by one goal to nil. Game day started on Saturday with Tottenham 1, Wolves nil. Harry Kane, the record breaker, uh, once again as Spurs uh, made it seven points from their first three games, despite the fact uh, they were totally outplayed by Wolves in the first half. Kane was watched by the original Ronaldo as he made more history, 250 goals now uh, in a Tottenham shirt, 185 in the Premier League. That's the most for one club uh, since the competition was formed uh, back in 1992. And well, you almost run out of superlatives for the England captain, don't you? Yeah, you do. Um, I saw a really good uh, match report today one of the journalists said that he started the second decade for Spurs away. He's been in most of the first, which is rescuing Tottenham. And again, big strikers score big goals in moments when their teams are under the caution. That's what he's done. The only thing I would say, I'm not trying to qualify anything really, because there is nothing that you would say negative about him. It's actually a positive because Tottenham have won this game not playing very well at all. Uh, Conte clearly has a plan he's trying to execute. It's not quite working yet. But if you can win the points when you're still in transition, then that can only be a good thing. I was at this fixture last season. Tottenham lost it. Wolves were the better side all over the pitch uh, and they worried Tottenham out of it. I was at Tottenham's game against Southampton last season where they were beaten at their own stadium again after twice leading in the game. And as we all know, Chelsea beat Tottenham four times last season. Couldn't take a point of them. Got a hard-fought point in the second half of last week's game. We all know that the two managers did a bit of Strictly Come Dancing. I think as far as... (laughs) I, I, I just think as far as Spurs are concerned, I know everyone's going to talk about Kane. But as I've done in my match report for uh, the Daily Mirror for Monday's papers, I think today to me screamed progress. No, sorry, this weekend screamed progress to me. This is a side that are doing better for the changes that Conti has made. And Kane is simply doing what he does best to crown it all with the goals. Antonio Conte has been a bit sparing so far in the way that he's used those new signings that came in in the summer but I think we saw, didn't we, on Saturday, what Ivan Perisic brings to the party, particularly in the second half, when they did improve. Yeah, Perisic is is a, a wonderful player. And and I, I said this, when he signed, it's kind of a statement signing for me in terms of Spurs. No sell-on fee, really. No sell-on value. It's a signing for the here and now. It's a winner who is brought into the club to improve the first eleven, And he is. Every time he's playing, every time I've seen him come on as well, a second assist now for, for Harry Kane, albeit a flick on and, and Harry Kane at the back post. But his delivery is fantastic as well. He's it, shown that. 
And the younger players can learn off a player like that. And that's why he's bought in. Now, I read or I listened to a, a clip from Gary Lineker once saying that, um, that why are you always in the right place at the right time? And he said, no, I'm in the right place all the time. And then the ball comes and finds me. And there's no coincidence. And for me, Harry Kane is exactly the same. There's, it's no coincidence he found space at the back post and headed that in. He's a natural goal scorer. And natural goal scorers find that space. We've seen them many times. I played with one of the best in Alan Shearer. And Harry Kane is exactly that. And listen, when he's fit and firing, which he, he started the season well in terms of goal scoring, it's it's only a benefit in Spurs. And look, Son's not even started this season, let's be honest. Yeah. He, he's been a little bit off form. Uh, perhaps he's going to be rotated and Richarlison may come in. But how good is it as a Spurs supporter like myself to have these fantastic players and the ability to chop and change it's only going to be positive for the football club Darren let me ask you a very quick one who do you have in your team you, you said you played with Shearer who do you have in your team Alan Shearer or Harry Kane oh my goodness that is such a difficult question you know I'm, I'm going to say Shearer I am I'm going to say Shearer and listen until Harry Kane beats that Shearer's goal scoring record of the Premier League I'm going to continue and, and say Shearer um only probably if, because he follows me on Instagram, and if he sees this, he may <laughs> he, may, he may have a pop at me. <laughs> I, I would only give I would only give Shearer the edge because I think Shearer had more pace um, uh, than Kane does. Doesn't mean Kane isn't a magnificent striker; he clearly is. But I just think uh, Shearer, peak Shearer, certainly had that yard of pace that could get him away from defenders um, and he could score, both of them could score all kinds of goals out of nothing, but peak Shearer, he could walk into any team in the world, couldn't he? He, d- he dug me out of a few issues at times when I gave the ball away and gave a goal away, he'd, cu- he'd pop up with a couple. So yeah, Shearer all day. <laughs> Never mind peak Shearer. I think Wolves would take Alan Shearer uh, as he is now on match of the day because they had so many scoring opportunities. I was impressed actually with getting, uh, and Nunez, I thought the two new signings did well. Uh, Jimenez coming off the bench in the second half uh, following injury was a bonus. But they still need a striker, don't they, Darren Lewis? Yeah, they do. They were toothless. They dominated for long periods of the game. Had they had a striker, they'd have won this by two or three goals. Um, the interesting thing in the press conference afterwards was that Bruno Lark w- was asked about it and he, he wasn't too concerned. He said, I'd have been more concerned if we didn't play as well as we did. But there are lots of issues. Players have been injured. Players have just come into the club. Players who haven't had a pre-season or enough of a pre-season. And so I'm optimistic that once all those things are settled, we will be okay. And and I'd have to agree with him because the easy thing could be to say, go into the market, bring in another striker who is out there. Who would you bring in? Who would you straight away say, this player is available, why don't they get him? If X player was available, he would probably go to a higher profile mm-hmm. club. Let's not kid ourselves. So Wolves have to work with what they've got. Raul Jimenez came off the bench late in the game. Again, once he gets back to full fitness, it could well be that he's the guy to solve those problems. But as far as Wolves are concerned, I can see why fans would be a little bit frustrated. Well, if Tottenham won playing badly, the same can't be said of their North London neighbours. It finished Bournemouth nil, Arsenal 3 on Saturday team time. The Gunners top of the table uh, with a 100% record. Three games in, uh, the first time that's happened since 2004 when the Invincibles were in the midst of a 49-match unbeaten run. There were some fabulous goals in there. Uh, William Saliba's first in English football was almost nonchalant the way he lifted the ball uh, into the top corner with no backlift at all. And Gabriel Jesus was sensational in the build-up to the first goal. Uh, For me, Darren Ambrose, and you won't like me saying this as a Spurs man, this is the best Arsenal team that I've seen for many a year. How has that been possible when you look at where they were just 12 months ago? Because they trusted Mikel Arteta. They trusted the the process. Uh, They didn't probably fall to a bit of pressure from the media, a bit of pressure from fans to, to relieve him of his duties. They had not a plan. pundits, not pundits, Daz. Not pundits. Well, not not me. I was happy to see them failing, to be honest. So I wanted him to stay. But listen, they they they've had a plan and they've they've built on it and they've trusted him. And it, it seems to be repaying him at the moment. Um, look, Gabriel Jesus is a, is a magnificent player. Now we're led to believe he's always been this way, and he has. But he was never been the focal point at Manchester City. He is now. He's the main man. 
And for me, Zinchenko, and I said this uh, at the start of the season, Crookie, you, you'd back me. I said this could be the signing of the summer. Mm. And it's looking like it could be. He's a leader. He's playing the kind of Cancelo role for Arsenal that Cancelo does for Manchester City. And Jack has rotating with him. As a Spurs supporter, it's scary for me to see them doing so well because not only are they they winning games, they're, they're demolishing teams, really. And apart from Crystal Palace, where they potentially could have got something out of the game, they're just they're making teams look ordinary. Yeah, they certainly are. They are benefiting, though, we have to be honest, from a very kind start of the season in terms of the fixture list. They've got Fulham next Saturday. I'll be there for two. Talk sport. Uh, Mikel Arteta was quite candid afterwards, Darren. He said we've achieved nothing yet. Realistically, what is the aim? What is the ceiling for Arsenal this season? Top four, uh, because they don't have enough depth to be able to compete, in my opinion, higher than that. Um, tell Darren Ben. <laughs> well, the thing is, there is so much depth. For example, if you look at Spurs, Spurs have got Son who can score 20 plus goals, Kane who can score 20 plus goals. And I've got no doubt that with the firepower that they have, uh, Richarlison could get deep into double figures as well. So Arsenal have good quality players, but I'm not sure Enketia is going to get you 20 goals in a season. I think Jesus will, as you know, I've said so on this uh, podcast. I, I, I'm a big, big fan of Jesus. I think he probably would be the signing of the summer um, because of the belief that Arteta has put into him that he isn't a wide man. He can be a central striker and he can make a really effective contribution. I just think as far as Arsenal are concerned, they're not quite at the stage of their development where they would be thinking of the title. I think that be it should be a return to the top four first and then bringing in the higher caliber players that would enable them to compete for a title. But if you look at them now, and I still think it is very early days, of course, but what should always enthuse you in the same way I said about Spurs is the progress. You can see the progress that they're making. Um, and I think not some people a lot of people couldn't see where Arsenal were going last season and they still saw a kind of flaky, fragile team that although they had good individual players, they didn't look like a team, but this Arsenal looks like a team and that's why they're so exciting at the moment. Uh, quick word on Bournemouth. I think they missed the mobility of Dominic Solanke up front. It was a really difficult evening uh, for Kiefer Moore. They're isolated. Unlikely, as I understand it, that Solanke will be fit for Liverpool um, next weekend. So it could get worse for Bournemouth uh, before it gets better. But it's a, it's a really tough start of the season. They've been to Manchester City, home to Arsenal, still to go to Liverpool. I think we'll learn more about Bournemouth as the season progresses. What have we learned about Leicester City so far? Fox is still without a win this season. It's their worst start in eight years. They're still without any meaningful signings. And for this one, uh, they were without Wantaway, Wesley Fafana as well. Yuri Tillemans also left on the bench. Strange club at the moment, um, Leicester. There was a big exodus, exodus of fans before the final whistle. Uh, those that did stick it out until the end booed their team off. Morale in training, by all accounts, is not great. What on earth has gone wrong at Leicester? Because they've had a, a really good few seasons, but the wheels seem to have completely come off. You know what? Like out of all the games, out of all the seasons, I think today will hurt the most for Brendan Rodgers. Because I, I, you look at the team, barring Fafana, who obviously wants away, like we're led to believe, it's a strong side. It's probably the, one of the strongest sides he could have put out. And they to go 1-0 up and then lose to, to a Southampton team that everyone predicted to struggle this season. I certainly did, and I could be eating my words come the end of the season. It looks that way at the moment. I think he'll be really disappointed. And I, I said this on the boot room, Crookie, you know I did on Sunday, that if there's no meaningful signings by the end of the transfer window and they don't pick up any meaningful results, I can see Brendan Rodgers walking away, not getting sacked. I can see him walking away because I think this is damaging his reputation at the moment. And it's, it's horrible to say, it's horrible to talk about managers leaving or getting sacked, but they're not backing him at the moment. And for a club like Leicester, who have done uh, in, in, in the past, it, it just seems strange. And Fafana leaves, who knows, Madison might want away if, if that's the case. They can't keep getting rid of their best players. Yeah, it was ironic that the uh, architect of Leicester's downfall was Leicester-born Shea Adams. His first goals since February could have had a hat-trick actually denied uh, by a post in the second half. He looked really hungry and fired up, having been left on the bench. Four points from two games for Southampton since questions were asked about the relationship between Ralph Hasenhutl and his players. 
he deserves credit, uh, doesn't he, for the way that he has managed that situation and, and got them uh, back on an even kill? Absolutely, yes. I, I think he's done fantastic. He hasn't complained too much. He's just got his head down. Um, actually, I say he hasn't complained too much. He did use a naughty word when he was asked about it in the... Um, <laughs> Nothing uh, wrong with that. Match, uh, ...press conference uh, last weekend uh, where he was able to take a point, I think... Uh, didn't they beat Leeds? Was uh, it? Drew with Leeds from 2-0 down. Yeah, 2-2 with Leeds. Yeah, a terrific comeback. Carl Walker-Peters, of course, mm-hmm. uh, scoring late in that game. Um, but I think what we're seeing in... Both the performances since those reports were a team of players, a group of players willing to fight for him. And it might well be that the players that he picked um, were showed their willingness to fight for him. It might still be that there is a core of players that are still not having the manager um, and they may well have been the ones whose dissatisfaction uh, had come to light. But He's been very canny in picking a group of players to save his job, and that's exactly what they've done. Crystal Palace 3, Steven Gerrard's Aston Villa 1, a first win of the season for Darren Ambrose's beloved Eagles, uh, despite going 1-0 down after only five minutes. Villa, uh, very poor away from home again. No identity tactically inept. These were just a couple of the complaints from unhappy Villa fans on the game day phone-in on Saturday night. Steven Gerrard has been there 10 months, Darren Lewis. Is he underwhelmed? It's a really hard one, uh, this, because I don't want to be critical at all of him, and i tell you why. Because you're a Liverpool fan. No, no, not really. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> the, re- the reason I don't want to be critical of him is this. We started this podcast by talking about Mikel Arteta and how some people had written him off this time last year. They'd had a bad start. They were near the bottom of the table. Uh, There was dissatisfaction. All of the similar things that are happening with Villa. And now we're talking about people eating their words. And it might well be that should Villa stick by Steven Gerrard, people will eat their words again. he, He clearly has a vision. He clearly has a plan. It's not going to plan at the moment, but these are very, very early days. And I think he deserves a little bit of time. We all call for time, don't we, for managers and for clubs maybe not to be too knee-jerk. I think that what we shouldn't do now is judge him too harshly. He wasn't happy with the Luca Dean handball for the penalty that was originally missed by Wilf Zaha, put in the rebound. I can see his point, Darren Ambrose, but by the letter of the law... I think the officials had no choice, did they? No, uh, yeah, I can see his point. It, it was it was one of those. It seemed like a, the the law of a, a year and a half ago that that it came back because you, when you jump, I didn't feel it was out of his natural silhouette in terms of where his arm was. They deemed it to be out of uh, they deemed it to be a handball, and and it was given. But that that's easy when you when you got VAR that slows down. You can see steals that it. It's always going to look handball. I found it a little bit harsh, obviously, with my palace head on. I was pleased with it, but I found it was harsh. And Stephen Gerrard has, has every right to complain there. Everton won, Nottingham Forest won. Good character, I guess, from Everton uh, to come from behind to salvage a point so late in the game. It was a very uh, route one goal, but could be an important one come the end of the season. They could even have won it, actually, uh, later on. But they are struggling, uh, Darren Lewis, in front of goal. And until Calvert-Lewin gets fit or until they dip into the transfer market, that probably won't change. Yeah, they've got to sign a striker. They have to. Um, 19 attempts on goal at the weekend. They've only, they only scored one of them, and that was to rescue the points rather than to clinch the points. And I think as far as Frank Lampard's concerned, he will know he's done some good business so far in the window. Connor Cody and James Tarkovsky, two terrific defensive acquisitions. Onana in midfield has really created a, a good impression. What's his name? I've seen him. <laughs> I almost got... I almost got that one. <laughs> but I, I think as far as... Um, up front is concerned, it is a lot to stick on Anthony Gordon to score the goals to save uh, Everton. He's going to be a good player, but I think he, he needs to be a, in, in, in a club that's going to help him to to find his feet and find his way. And if they were to get a big offer for him, personally, I would listen to it and get the experience that will save the club. It's unfortunate that at this stage of his development, he does have this big decision to make, but 
I think as far as Everton are concerned, what do you do? Stick by your principles and keep a young player who is adored by the fans or bring in the finance for him that would be able to get you two experienced strikers and save you this season? I think I'm fairly clear what I would do. We'll talk about finance at Nottingham Forest in a minute, but let's talk about uh, Brennan Johnson, first of all. 19 goals uh, in the Championship, such a key player uh, in their return to the Premier League after 23 years away. Off the mark now, uh, in the top flight. Uh, Darren, as a player, how big a milestone is that to get your first goal in the Premier League? Oh, huge, huge. The confidence builds straight away. And I listen to Darren Bent a lot, obviously. I'm good friends with Darren Bent. And he says, as soon as you join a club or as soon as you step up a level... As a forward, the first thing you want to do is score. First thing is get off the mark, get the confidence, show people that, yep, he's ready for this level. I mean, it makes me feel old. I played with his dad, David Johnson, at Ipswich, which, you know, I'm looking, thinking, wow, like, am I that old? I, I don't look yeah, on the you screens, are. I know that. But listen, he's, he's a good player. Brennan Johnson, he's a good player. And I, I know he can step up. He clearly does. But until you get that first goal, there's always going to be question marks and he's got it now. And I've no doubt we may see a little run of goals because we've seen that before with forwards and he'll be no different. Uh, a debut for Forrest for Morgan Gibbs-White following his astronomical move from Wolverhampton Wanderers. Uh, Darren Lewis, I'll ask you about this. A lot of clubs, as I understand it, unhappy uh, with Forrest and, and the fact that they're spending so much money, almost inflating the market when it comes to people like Ismail Assar for example, and Jao Pedro at Watford. Do those clubs have a point? No, they don't. No, they don't. It's up to Forrest how they spend their money. Um, it, it might well be that they see a role for Morgan's Gibbs-White that will enable them to justify the outlay on a very good player. Got to, I've got to say, he's only 22. He's got, he's got his whole career in front of him and that money will enable them to get value. Um, now, Look, as far as he's concerned, I think it was 13 goals he scored last season, including the goals he scored in the playoffs. So straight away, you see that they are looking for him to get the goals from midfield that will help them as they bid to climb the table. I think I actually quite like Forrest's work in the transfer market. Initially, I was a bit concerned at the number of players that they'd signed, but then you bear in mind they lost a lot of players. They had players who were on loan. There were players who chose to go elsewhere. They were players that they couldn't hold on to. Uh, so they had to do something. And what they've done is go into the market. They were decisive with their um, acquisitions. They paid the money that clubs wanted. If other clubs are jealous, that's not really not in Forest's problem because Steve Cooper's already shown that he can be a good man manager with a performance against West Ham followed up by this weekend's performance as well. I think they're going to be okay this season. In fact, I can see them staying up. I, I do. You know what? Clubs that come up, you, you can't really win, to be honest, because with Nottingham Forest's case, they've signed a lot of players. They're kind of getting criticised. Why are they doing this? They're signing too many. It's a big turnaround. If you don't sign enough, it's like, oh, they're not having a go. You know, they've not, they're not trying to stay in the Premier League. So you can't really win. I I, for one, I agree with you, Daz. I, I think they're going to be okay. Out of the three promoted sides, I think they'll be the one to finish the highest. Fulham three, Brentford two. This was a really entertaining game with the inform. Uh, Alexandra Mitrovic having the final say with a 90th minute winner, which sent the majority of Craven Cottage bonkers. Mitrovic now has as many goals this season as in the whole of his last Premier League campaign. What's changed, Aaron Ambrose? Uh, confidence. Um, I think the team around him know what he's bringing to it. it li listen, I, I, I can go on and on and on, but it's confidence. He's come into it. He's brought, he smashed the championship record last year. There's a lot of question marks. Can he do it? I mean, we're already saying now he's already equaled it. Can he do it in the Premier League? It's different circumstances last time. This time he is Fulham's main man. Missed the penalty last game. I, I said to my son, because uh, Mitrovic in my FPL team, I said, listen, he's going to score because you have a point to prove. You've missed the penalty or you haven't played well the week before. As a forward, you try everything. To get the way the, to get the goal the way he did in, in the last last minute as the winner, fantastic header. And for me, I know I said Nottingham Forest will finish higher the promoted teams. I think Fulham will be okay as well, by the way. I, I I, I kind of thought they wouldn't, but watching them, if he stays fit, Mitrovic, 
if he scores 15 plus Premier League goals, which he's heading that way quite comfortably, they'll be okay for them. Yeah, someone else with a point to prove is Andreas Pereira, uh, having left Manchester United. I thought he was terrific um, for Fulham, so good uh, credit to them. Ivan Tony continuing his good form from the end of last season. Another goal, bit unlucky maybe with the one that was ruled out for offside. He's creating chances for other players now as well. Is there a chance, Darren Lewis, that he maybe could could be subject of interest from bigger clubs between now and the end of the window. Absolutely, yes. And it's easy to see why. Good in the air, good on the deck. A real leader, courageous uh, forward. And uh, yeah, there will be one or two other clubs. I wouldn't be surprised if Everton had a little tickle at him as well when you consider the service he would get from the wide areas and the presence that he has in a box. Having said that, I wonder if he might look at Brentford and see a team that plays to his strengths. They're very intelligent in the way that they go about their business. They've got a real plan and a vision. And the reason why he is subject of interest from other clubs is precisely because of the work that Thomas Frank has done with him. Personally, I'd stay at Brentford and see what this season brings and then maybe see what else is out there. Yeah, Tony could well be a name that comes up between now and September the 1st. We'll have uh, regular updates on Talk Sport, including daily uh, on the White and Jordan show. That's all we have time for uh, on this podcast, though. My thanks to uh, Darren Lewis and Darren Ambrose coming off the bench, as he always did in his playing career, to cover for the absent Sam Matterface. Don't forget, you can watch us now on YouTube, uh, as well as downloading from all your usual podcast suppliers. Big week on the Talk Sport Network. We've got live EFL Cup football Tuesday and Wednesday night. Game day returns uh, next Saturday with that Southampton against Manchester United game from St Mary's. And we'll be back with a preview of all the big weekend action on Thursday. Thanks for listening. This has been Game Day on TalkSport. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.